Welcome to Harvest Time. My name is Chris Harper, and our host on this program is Pastor Gary Walton, the lead pastor of Harvest Baptist Church. Every week, we spend these 25 minutes together telling you the stories of our church by interviewing our members and other friends of the ministry. We'd invite you to join us at Harvest Baptist Church this week. We have two services, one at 8.45 a.m., the other at 10.45 a.m. Sunday morning. We offer Japanese and Korean translation during that 10.45 a.m. service. And that's also the service we live stream at hbcguam.org, hbcguam.org. This week, part two of the 10 foolish things people do to mess up their lives. And this week, failing to establish our spiritual foundation from Exodus 20, 1 through 3. Let's begin today's harvest time by welcoming Pastor Gary Walton. Hi, Pastor. Hey, Hoffaday, Chris. Last week, we began a series on the Ten Commandments, uh, the title you just mentioned, Chris, Ten Foolish Things People Do to Mess Up Their Lives. But I'm very excited about this. It, it truly is foundational for our lives, and we're just going to walk through uh, each of these commandments and what they mean for us today here in the 21st century. And this Sunday, we're going to pick up number one, so commandment number one, uh, and it's number one for a reason, uh, because it really is uh, foundational, this idea that you shall have no other gods before me. So what does that mean? We're going to talk about it on Sunday. We'd actually like to invite you to come and be part of the whole series. We're going to be going at this for a couple of months, and I really think it would benefit you if you're not connected with a church that's teaching and preaching the Bible, we would love to invite you to come. Just join us for this series and, and uh, learn and grow along with our church family as we're studying God's Word. So that's this Sunday, and uh, let us know. You can reach out uh, via the website, or you can give us a call if you have any questions about that. Well, I'm really glad, excited to have Kristen Thompson with us uh, for Harvest Time here today. Um, Kristen is... Uh, Grew up here on, on Guam, right, Kristen? Yep, yep. I'm going to ask you about that here in a minute, about right. your family and, and all of that. Mm -hmm. um, you are uh, on the coaching staff, how do we call yep. this, at GFA, which is yep. the Guam Football Association, Association. Yep. right? Yep. Yeah. yep. So I'm a national team coach, and I'm also the director of youth development over there. Okay, and uh, national team coach means that you just you're the yeah the, he yep. the head ladies yep. um, national team yep. coach, right? I just got uh, assigned the senior women's team, and then previously I've had the U twenty girls, and then the U twenty three girls. So I've kind of worked my way up, <laughs> and now I'm with the senior women's team right now. Yeah, it's really cool, Kristen. Uh, you know, when I had heard, I've heard about your family for a while. When we first moved here, you weren't here. Right. I heard about your family. We want to talk about that. Um, and then I heard that you're coming back. I was excited yeah, uh, yeah, about yeah. that. And, you know, my daughter's involved in soccer, so that's been cool. Yeah. You know, to have those connections. But really glad to have you back on island. Thank you. And you're excited about it, too. Yes. So. Yes. It's really nice to be home. It really does feel like I came home. So I'm excited to be here. Yeah. Um, uh, so uh, the Guam. Football Association. Yep. Uh, you're coaching there. You have a lot of credentials. That's through with FIFA, right? And, yes. And um, for somebody that's maybe not in the soccer world, FIFA stands for what? So FIFA is the governing body over the whole world um, of soccer. Um, they most recently, of course, ran the Women's World Cup. So they're in charge of the whole world. And then locally here, we're under the Asian Football Confederation. So we're under AFC. And then here locally, it's GFA. Okay. Um, 
and then as you just mentioned, you got several uh, roles there. But you yes. really grew, grew up in the soccer community. Yes, yes, sir, I did. Um, so I grew up here on Guam um, playing soccer. I played um, locally for clubs, and then I played for school, and then I ended up on the national team and traveled with them all throughout. I started when I was 15, and then I ju- I recently retired. Well, I guess it's not recent anymore, yeah. <laughs> but I retired in like 2015, 16. Okay. So... Lots of amazing experiences, yes, right? Yes, lots of life experiences for sure. Yeah, traveling to what kind of places? Everywhere, have you everywhere. So we, since we're, like I said, we're in the Asian Football Confederation, so we travel all over Asia and um, both for coaching and for playing. I've been, I mean, everywhere, Vietnam, Japan, Korea, China, um, Fiji, uh, I can't even think, uh, Hong Kong. I've been all over everywhere, and it's so cool because it's been an amazing opportunity to be able to travel literally all over Yeah. Um, with a specific purpose of football, but also just to get to see the world. So it's right. exciting. Yeah, it really is. Uh, to, to You know, Guam has such a unique soccer culture. Yes. And the ability, you know, to grow up and then be part of that, in, you know, it's a really right. unique opportunity. It is for sure. It is for sure. The local players here don't realize sometimes the amazing opportunities that they have since we are such a small population and such a small island. Some of the local players don't understand how amazingly life-changing it is that they can play for the national team. And I think in every sport, but especially in football. Yeah. Tell us about your coaching journey then. Okay. So um, when I was in high school, I guess, is when I first started coaching. And I started coaching just at the club level. I honestly, I think it was like my sister's team and I was helping out. And then um, kind of through my journey, I started um, coaching at a a club level. And then as soon as I wanted to start coaching at a higher level, you have to start getting uh, licenses, whether it's through um, GFA or through another uh, association to then coach internationally. So I first started getting my licenses and, you know, you start at a, a low level, sometimes like a D kind of depending on your experience, and then you work your way up through the alphabet. Mm. So um, it's kind of interesting. I was able to be part of a really cool program um, of elite young coaches, so I was able to get my licensing pretty quickly through them. Um, And then as soon as I got my B license, I kind of said that I was done. (laughs) And so Mm -hmm. if you have your B license, you can coach up through like the high school age internationally. So that was kind of my goal at the time. So um, that's kind of where I stopped was at my B then. Um, Recently that has changed and I'm in the process now of getting my A, which is a little crazy, but I'm in the middle of it right now. Um, So yeah, it's really cool. I've coached I've coached all levels, which is kind of cool. I've coached, you know, beginners, six-year-olds, all the way up to now the senior national players. And every different level has their, you know, pros and cons, has their challenges. But I enjoy all of it. I enjoy working with the kids who are just learning all the way up to the senior team who's really getting into more of the tactics and the a, a higher-level opponent and stuff like that. So that's super interesting. I'm sure for any, you know, coach, coach that's in that – ladder there's some sense hey that the senior national team that's the ultimate and yeah. it really is an amazing you know yeah. accomplishment actually congratulations thank you thank you for that um but uh but also have you felt like if you're just to pick an age is there an age you enjoy uh, more in the coaching part um i think if i'm really if i really want to remember why i'm coaching i like to coach the kids like wow. eight to ten year old kids mm. um because that reminds me the joy of the game and the learning and that type of an aspect if I really want to challenge myself, 
I do love the 20 to 23 age of girls. I like working with the college girls. I like working with the um, senior national team. They challenge me, and then I get to challenge them on the other side. So that's kind of where I'm at right now, but I also love to go down and Mm. go down and just play with the kids because then that reminds you why you do what you do. It's not stressful. You're just teaching and coaching. It's not, you know, who's winning and who's doing this. It's it's more of the, the the skeleton of it, of just playing to have fun. Yeah. Wow, that's great. Yeah. Let's back up. Tell okay. us a little bit about uh, your story, your family. Yep. You already mentioned you grew up here. Yep. Tell us about that. Okay. So um, I was born in the States, um, in New York. My family was always involved in um, full-time ministry. My parents were saved at a later age. Um, my dad was really burdened for kids' ministries because of that. So... Um, in the States, my dad was um, involved in Child Evangelism Fellowship, mm. which um, is eventually how we ended up out here on Guam as missionaries. Um, we moved out here when I was like, oh, I don't know, eight or nine maybe. Um, I'm one of eight kids, so okay. <laughs> the whole tribe. <laughs> um, so How my, old were you when you said eight, eight or, or nine? nine yeah, came, eight or nine years where, old. Where in the family are you? I am the oldest girl. Okay. I have one older brother and then me and then everybody else. Gotcha. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so when we first moved out here, um, my parents were really burdened to, um, homeschool us. So even in the States, we were homeschooled, um, for most of our leading up to moving out here. And then when we moved out here, we were homeschooled as well. Um, my parents had a real burden for the community. So they got us really involved in sports and, um, community things, which is how soccer kind of happened. But, um, so I was homeschooled, um, all through, um, all the way up to graduation. Um, my dad, when he first came out, he was the director of Child Evangelism Fellowship here on island. Um, and then throughout um, his time here, he was really burdened to start a camp, to start a kids' camp. That's kind of what he was involved with in the States. And there's no, there was nothing like that here. Right, yeah. It was even before um, Harvest started having their camp. Mm. So he was really burdened to... Um, look for a property and find, you know, something to to that extent or whatever. So he um, retired from um, Child Evangelism Fellowship and started his own board of a bunch of local pastors, local leaders, and um, bought a property down south um, and started a camp. And it was a day camp because he didn't have any buildings. And he cleared a bunch of property, and we all helped. And at that point, um, I had gone away to college. So I went to uh, Northland uh, in Wisconsin, which that's a whole story because why a person from Guam would go to Wisconsin. Wisconsin, Yeah, exactly. I froze. (laughs) I hated it. But, you know, it's where the Lord wanted me, so it's where I went. Um, And then uh, his ministry just kind of evolved through that. So kind of all growing up, we were very heavily involved in the church, involved in um, his ministry. We did attend Harvest all growing up. I was baptized here when I was 12. Um, And then since we were homeschooled, when I was in high school, I had the cool opportunity. I worked here. I worked in the school office a little bit. I worked here in the radio station even a little bit. Wow. So, you were telling me that. I didn't yeah. know it until we walked up <laughs> yeah, here. Yeah. That's cool. So um, I had the opportunity there through high school to uh, also have a job as well as school because we were homeschooled. So that was kind of cool. Um, and then after w- kind of when I started coaching seriously was right before I left for college. And then while I was in college and then coming back here, 
um, was when I started focusing more on coaching and stuff like that. So, so you grew up in a family that you said your parents came to the Lord later on yep. in life, yep. right? So that kind of changed the trajectory yep. of your yep. family, yep. for sure. But uh, w- you know, would you say you just were always a Christian because you grew up in that family, or how's um, that? It actually, for me, it it was a, it was an interesting realization, and I was young. Um, we were in this when we were in the states. My dad, as I said, was um, head of Child Evangelism Fellowship in Vermont at that point, and so um, every summer we would, you know, do the five day clubs. And of course, you know, kind of as the staff kid, like you went to every single five day club. <laughs> and I, I really thought, kind of like you said, I thought, oh, my parents are, my dad's, you know, in full time ministry. I, it just kind of comes with the territory. But it's kind of interesting. I can very um, distinctly remember sitting in a five-day club and it was something that the teacher said that really hit home she was like just because your parents are saved doesn't mean you are right and yeah. like i was like not even paying attention because i'd heard the bible story 50 million times mm. i'd heard even the teacher teach it so many times but it was just that one phrase and i can't even tell you if she said it the other times but right. for some reason this time it really hit home for me and i really realized that this was something i had to take in for myself so I believe I was seven or eight years old when this happened. And so at the end of the club, I was so embarrassed because, you know, I'm the one who was supposed to know everything. Mm. But I, um, the Lord gave me the humility to then ask her and be question her and say, you know, you said that, but my dad is, you know, you're a boss. So surely this doesn't apply to me. <laughs> but um, she was very sweet and very generous and explained to me how it's our personal choice to accept Jesus as our right. savior and yeah. not, a decision anyone else can make for us. So that's when I came to the saving knowledge of Christ was that young. And then when we came out here to Guam, I got baptized when I was like 12. Um, I, I honestly think it was because I think that was the age you had to be or something. I don't know. I don't really remember. But um, for some reason at the age of 12 is when I um, met with Pastor Lewis and um, really wanted to show the church and the world that this is what I wanted to do and that I wanted to um, serve the Lord and identify with him. And so then that's when I was baptized was when I was 12. It's so fascinating to me every time to hear somebody's story, spiritual story. Um, and even just that little comment that you made, Kristen, about this phrase that, you know, your teacher said, she may have said right. it other times yeah. or may not. Mm-hmm. And it always reminds me of how um, salvation is genuinely a work of God's spirit. Yes. Yeah, yeah. In, and I talk, I've talked with several people this week about this. Different ages, different seasons of life may have heard certain things at other times, but in that moment, right. something is said or some realization that the Holy Spirit, God's spirit comes and takes and plants it. Like, yeah. this is what I need. Mm-hmm. I need to respond yep. to Jesus. So yeah, yeah that's, that's really great. So... Um, uh, you know, so your parents are in ministry. Um, mm-hmm. You are a believer. You're a follower yep. of Jesus. Yep. Was spiritual growth automatic for you? Um, in some ways, I feel like not automatic, but when I was younger, it was definitely easy. Mm-hmm. Be- not easy, but it was... Natural, maybe? Maybe Just, natural, okay. yeah, because uh, of the... I mean, I grew up in a very Christian home. I grew up... Um, it, we We did... Uh, a Becca homeschool. So even our, in our education curriculum, everything was wrapped together. Um, I grew up here in the different Bible studies and youth group and I helped with Awana. So I, I don't think it, 
natural, I guess, like you said, is kind of the word. It was, yeah. it was, it, the next step was always known, I guess. Okay. So I was always challenged by Sunday school teachers or youth leaders or my parents or um, other people here on staff. We um, were very pri- privileged to be very close to a lot of the um, single lady staff here. And they were great disciplers and mentors for me. Um, they took me under their wing. Some of them I would come and help as like a junior teacher's aide. I don't even know what you would call it. But I came in, would help them grade papers, and they would just hang out with me. And so I was really challenged in high school um, by those mentors um, in my spiritual life, but also in, in being a person. And um, uh, as a lady, a lot of them uh, took me under their wing and just really challenged me. And so that was amazing growing up to have that. Um, support system of not only my parents but these other um, adults and individuals and single teachers that I really looked up to who really did challenge me in a lot of ways so that was really cool it was a real blessing for sure so my key takeaway from that would be that spiritual growth happens in community yes and actually when you when you said that it helps me uh, to identify why, for some people, they genuinely become followers of Jesus, but spiritual growth doesn't happen right. for them. For And it can be a lot of different reasons, but a key part of that is you had the immersion in mm-hmm. spiritual community. Um, some of it by, by the wisdom of your parents, but right. some of it, you know, uh, you know, a church that cared about these right. kinds of things. So mentors, disciplers that provided accountability and encouragement Mm -hmm. along the way. It's just, uh, it's a really powerful testimony. It's actually would be part of my testimony as well. You know, um, the difference between kids that grew up in Christian homes that would continue to maybe follow the Lord and those that that might walk away during some seasons of their life, I think so much of it is connected with whether there's genuine community wrapped around people walking beside them. Not just that they go to church, I don't mean it like that. There are people that are spending time caring for. So thank you, thank you for sharing that. It's really interesting and I think helpful for us. So let me ask you this, Um, if you could if you could go back and speak to your high school self, Kristen, as a junior, <laughs> a junior in, high, in school. high school, what advice would you give yourself? Um, I think I would um, tell myself to definitely continue to be a sponge and just take in everything that was around me. I think in that age, I it was so normal for me to have all those people around and all that support and all that that I don't think I took full advantage of it because it was just kind of an expected, like it was how it was kind of a thing. And I think um, growing up, going through college, going through now adult life, um, you don't realize how easy you have it when you're that age and you don't realize how much support you have to lean on Mm -hmm. and how much um, growth can happen in those years when you're in this, you know, somewhat of a protective bubble of your parents, of growing, of, um, learning. Um, I think I would also, um, really challenge myself with priorities. Mm. Um, high school is hard when you're trying to balance school and sports and I traveled a bunch and I had a job and, um, all of these things. And I, I think looking back now, now what I love to do is, um, the, one of the big, biggest reasons I like to coach is I like to invest in the younger players and on and off the field and mentor and disciple. So I think I would also challenge myself to do that more in the, 
in the peer environment in high school. And um, we were always taught as players that, you know, oh, we need to mentor the next generation of players and we need to be there for the younger girls and we need to challenge them and on a sports type side. So I think I would challenge myself to take that to more of a spiritual place of, you know, are we challenging younger believers or younger people in our church or younger teens in the youth group as an older teen or whatever? Because I was seen as one of the leaders because of the home I came from and the experiences I had. So um, I think I would definitely challenge myself to be even more of a spiritual mentor. I saw the soccer side of it so easily. It was so e- came so easily right. to me. But I think I would challenge myself as more of a spiritual mentor to get invested in the opportunities that I got because of soccer to then kind of turn it around and say, okay, well, how can I use this um, for the Lord? And he's given me this talent. So how can I then turn around and use it for him and not just selfishly for my own gain. That's so good, Kristen. Thank you for that. Um, Let's move it forward to today. Um, What would be some personal challenges for living out your faith, you know, today Mm -hmm. in this season of your life? Yeah. So um, now I would say my biggest thing is um, consistency in um, kind of like I was saying, prioritizing my time, Um, right now in this exact season, I'm traveling a lot and I've got a lot on my plate at work and I guess doing things on purpose, maybe. So being very purposeful about hanging out with spiritual friends, hanging out with families from the church, being involved in ministries that I can. Mm -hmm. It's a little hard because I am in and out and gone and here and there. So I think I do want to challenge myself to be do things more on purpose. And, you know, we talk about it on the soccer field all the time about, you know, you shouldn't just be running around. You should be doing something, you know, doing something on purpose to help your team. And so I think right now, even just this last month, I've really tried to challenge myself to, again, take that lesson from the soccer realm and put it in my spiritual realm of doing things on purpose and, you know, making sure once a day I talk to somebody or encourage somebody or come alongside somebody who I know is hurting or very purposefully pray for someone and let them know that I'm praying for them. So that's kind of how I'm challenging myself right now. Love it. Yeah, just love it. Um, maybe related to that, what, uh, what would you see as the big focus or mission you know, of your life right now? I think right now I'm um, really trying to get a hold of what the Lord wants me to do in this season of life. Um, It's been kind of a, it's been a crazy journey of, um, I retired from playing soccer and then I did nothing with soccer. I went and worked on a ranch for two years. Like it was (laughs) this crazy like transition of doing nothing with soccer and then coming back to soccer. And then um, it's been so cool for me to realize how every little step along the way has now brought me to where I'm at now. Mm. So kind of trying to figure out, like, I had this experience the Lord gave me. How can I use it now for him? And how can I figure out um, where I fit to serve him in different ways? Some things that the Lord brought me through weren't easy, but we're definitely now looking back. It's like, oh, the Lord obviously brought me through that because now this person is going through that. And so I can help them walk through their journey. So... It's a definitely, I feel like, a transitional period right now, but it's also kind of exciting to 
look back and forward at the same time. So love it. And uh, man, I just think that God is it, sometimes in those transitions, Kristen, God is d- directing us, clarifying, here's, here's my mission right. for you. Yeah. And as he plants that, I just think you're on the right track. God's really going to use you. We're hoping it's here. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, thank you for being willing to share sure. your story yeah, yeah. and what God's doing. And uh, we'll pray along with you that God will continue to for give sure. you clear direction. Yes, thank you. All right. Thanks, Kristen. And thank you for listening to Harvest Time. Of course, at this point in the program, we always want to personally invite you again to services this week at Harvest Baptist Church. There are two services, 8.45 a.m. and 10.45 a.m. At that 10.45 a.m. service, we offer Japanese and Korean translation, and we also live stream at hbcguam.org, hbcguam.org. We hope to see you this Sunday. Thanks again for listening to Harvest Time.